Good afternoon. Right, I'm going to talk about the uh, UK Commons Act of 2006. And um, first question that uh, we often were asked when we were developing the legislation for this is why on earth do we need a Commons Act in 2006 in the UK? Uh, this is all to do with common land. We've got a lot of common land in the UK. We have weak, or at this point, uh, when we started doing the, uh, the legislation, we had weak legislation, we had inadequate protection for the uh, ecological value of the land. A lot of the upland agriculture, a lot of the upland commons are um, valued agricultural assets, but the people uh, using that asset didn't actually have the ability to make management rules they could enforce on the ground. And their rights were insecure. <laughs> There was a process going on of people starting to sever the rights from the land and sell them off separate from the land. Uh, and the registration issues uh, meant that uh, the land, the, the commons themselves, as well as the rights, were not being properly recorded. So we had a lot of reasons for uh, engaging in um, new legislation to try to protect those rights and improve the management. So I'm going to, first of all, give a little bit of uh, background context in terms of the physical characteristics, um, the historical characteristics, uh, and the legal issues. Something like 4% of England and 7% of Wales are actually common land. So we've got over 8,000 commons. Interestingly, 80% of those are actually privately owned. But the, uh, the way common land works in the UK is uh, you can have private owners and those with rights to use certain um, resources from the land. We've got upland commons, which are commercially still very important, still relied on agriculturally, especially for livestock. Lowland commons, which have high landscape and recreational value. Uh, and overall, the commons still, still have very high ecological value, partly because um, intensive agriculture has never been applied to that area. So this is where it gets complicated um, because the legal context is, is quite difficult to grasp, especially as it goes back to um, the 12th century uh, and um, very early statutes, which are still on the law books even today, Statute of Merton and Statute of Westminster. And the whole, it, it's, it's an, it's a, it was a feudal system developed under, under the feudal system. You had manorial courts, which actually um, dealt with manage, dealing with the enforcement of rules on commons. So you had, you had groups of commoners using the land. Uh, if there was an altercation, a conflict, then you could take the issue to the local manorial court. However, there was never any clear title to common rights. It was always at the whim of the local lord of the manor. Then we had a long period, uh, three or four hundred years, of enclosure all the way up to the middle of the 19th century. Uh, enclosure with the support of Parliament, not just uh, taking place from um, landowners enclosing land, but actually getting Parliament to create acts of Parliament which enabled enclosure. And in the late 19th century, we started to get the first laws to protect commons. There was a realisation, especially in London, that actually uh, these areas like Wimbledon Common, for example, uh, were valuable, uh, perhaps valuable for different reasons than just agriculture. And, uh, of course, all, all during this period, from the 16th really, century onwards, really, we actually had a decline um, in the, in the in significance of manorial courts. 
So what we ended up with was a, almost a vacuum, if you like, a policy vacuum or legislative vacuum uh, at the end of the 19th century, whereby the earliest laws had sort of fallen out of use, the manorial courts had fallen out of use. Um, we were starting to get a few laws to protect commons, but they weren't widely applied. Uh, and there was no real um, understanding of uh, who controlled what. None of the rights were recorded. None of the, um, co the commons themselves were not even registered. So there was nobody was, there was like a lack of clarity over what constituted a commons and what didn't. Nobody knew where the boundaries were. As a result of this, in the middle of the 20th century, there was a three-year royal commission to actually look into the whole issue of common land, who did what, where they were, uh, and what should we be done about it. The 1958 report from the Royal Commission came up with three things that had to be done. First of all, the rights had to be registered and the commons themselves had to be registered. And so in 1965, as a direct result of that, we ended up with the, with the uh, Commons Registration Act. This was heavily flawed though, um, but it did, for the first time, actually record what was out there, who was using the land, what rights they had. The second thing was giving access, more access to the public to actually get onto the, the commons themselves. That came about through a 2000 Act called the Crow Act, the Countryside and Rights of Way Act. And then the third element was improving the management of commons. And finally, in 2006, we had a Commons Act which enabled um, local graziers, the local commoners, to actually make rules and enforce them. At the same time, the Commons Act completely repealed the 1965 Act because that is actually reckoned to be one of the worst pieces of legislation ever adopted by Parliament. Um, and also it uh, finally got rid of the um, group of people called the Commons Commissioners who'd been set up in 1965 to deal with all the problems that were the fallout of the 1965 Act. Politically, um, we took the opportunity in 2006 to get this legislation through because there was a window of opportunity. Politically, we had, a, an actual, we had, a, we had a, a government that was willing to provide some legislative time in Parliament to actually um, create new legislation. This is after 50 years, 50 years after the um, report from the commissioners on the Commons. The reason they decided to give us time was be not because they wanted new Commons legislation. In fact, um, most of the ministers we were dealing with found the whole issue incredibly complex. And I can remember my first meeting, the first meeting I went to with a minister um, uh, about the commons. We went into his office and he said, uh, um, what are you doing here? He said, oh, we, we've come to talk about the commons bill. And he said, oh no, the commons, that just makes my head hurt. <laughs> so the reason they did it is because we had to meet EU obligations uh, on habit, from the Habitats Directive on ecological targets. And the, most of the commons, over half of the commons, are sites of special scientific interest. They're very high nature value. So managing those commons effectively was a high priority for the government. So they gave us legislative time, but they did say we cannot have any opposition to what is put forward. We do not want opposition from, you know, from the lords. We don't want opposition from landlords. We don't want opposition from 
um, various interest groups that were, in, that were very keen to, to see their, um, their rights uh, protected, their rights in land. So, three main objectives we had for the Commons Act. First of all, the key thing was to protect the security of rights through improving the registration system, completely repealing the 1965 Act, which was a disaster, and creating a whole new registration uh, act, uh, registration system, sorry, for registering rights and commons. Um, secondly, was to enable effective management, and thirdly, to in improve the environmental protection. So what we have, we have a common, basic uh, focus of, the, of attention. We've got landowners on the common with rights. We've got rights holders, mostly graziers, livestock, um, sheep and, and cattle, with rights. We've got the general public that now had a right to access the common from the, uh, from the year 2000. We had high ecological value that had to be protected. We had interest groups very keen to make sure that uh, that was um, maintained. And a whole series of other interesting commons, everything from horse riding, water utilities using the land, off-road vehicles, shooting, shooting rights, very important in parts of the um, uh, England. A lot of the grouse moors are commons. And the whole problem, the whole central problem of what we had to do was um, balance these rights, basically, to enable um, the use of state powers to enforce rules. So to do this, uh, we had, and bear in mind, we weren't allowed to have any opposition. We had to get everybody on board. So we went through a very long participatory process, almost two years of getting stakeholder support. Uh, if you think that you've got 8,000 commons, every single common is unique. Uh, we've had 40 years of previous attempts, so we've got bits of, of, of policy that have been around for a long time that people were, were sort of basing their ideas on. We had a whole series of stakeholder workshops, very detailed stakeholder workshops, bringing in all the interest together to argue about um, and agree the objectives. As civil servants, uh, we had to deal with lawyers. Uh, that was difficult. So uh, this is actually a photograph of uh, our first meeting with, with, with the legal team. So on the right, we had the lawyers. On the left, we had the civil servants. And we did not understand each other. It took almost three months before we formed an effective team. And then we had to go through the whole parliamentary process, being lobbied and so on. So it was a long, a long process. Uh, what came out of it uh, was obligations on local authorities to maintain registers of rights. They had to record all the events, keep them up to date. And that could be uh, anything from creating a right to severing a right to transferring a right or even extinguishing a right of common. And then we also had to um, find a means of uh, securing management powers. We came up with this notion of commons councils. Commons councils um, can be established by the government through what they call establishment orders, which basically agrees a constitution. In terms of implementation, so far there's only one commons council been, been established in 2014. There's another one that's hopefully going to be completed this year, which is actually a big multi-commons council covering a very large number of commons in uh, the north of England. Um, so that's the, that's the position we're in now. The, the uh, act is being implemented. It's been a bit slower than we anticipated. It's taken um, 10 years to get the registration system set up. And 
the commons are starting, the commons associations, local associations of commoners, are starting to realize they can actually access state power to help them enforce their own rules that can be delivered at local level. Thank you. <laughs>